0: Amen. All right. Well, hey, how many guys have ever uh, been traveling somewhere, but you needed to get a ride to the airport? You ever had to do that, right? It happens, right? You save on some parking, whatever. And uh, well, all I got to say is if you're going down to the LAX down to Los Angeles, that airport there, um, with all due respect, don't ask John Gibson to give you a ride there, okay? They didn't go out too well. Let's take a look.
1: Shaping up to be a rough commute out there today. Watch for an accident on the 101 near Sherman Way. And we're just getting word that the 405 southbound has been shut down completely. Looks like some sort of police activity's kind of cleared for a two-mile stretch from the 118 all the way up to Victory. As Soon as we get more information, we'll let you know. But in the meantime, we'll get you through with another 40 minutes of your favorite
2: hits on KKTV.
0: There goes Don's new Jeep. <laughs> I told him, don't let John do it. There it went. Oh, wow. And you know what? Still to this day, Ruth, he blames your mom. You know, right? He's like, so she can't see over the wheel that good. I mean, that's cruel. That's really cruel. But uh, anyway, seriously, folks, in line of that video, how many guys uh, would love to wake up, you know, your next trip, uh, Sonya going down to LA, you have an airplane land on top of you. Wouldn't it be awesome? Woo! Yeah, of course, none of us would. And the reason why is pretty obvious, because airplane crashes are scary turn to somebody say they're very scary okay the spirit of elmer flood okay they're fearful right and yet once again here is the irony more people are more concerned about a plane falling from above than they are being cast down into hell okay more people today in our society folks uh they they have no fear of god they're more concerned about what's going to happen if a plane falls out of the sky than what's going to happen when they die Okay? And the reason why is because there's no fear of God before their eyes. And we've been seeing in our study this lack of fear of God is not just corrupting people's here and now, okay? it's corrupting their hereafter. Jesus said, Yeah, you do need to be afraid. Okay? You need to be afraid. But not of man, you need to be afraid of God. Why? Because God alone, at the moment of death, we're all going to stand before Him, has the power either to throw you, praise God, straight into heaven okay? uh, through the cross of Jesus Christ, or if you reject Him and His mercy, He can throw you straight into hell. And how many guys would say that's a little bit worse than you know John trying to get you to LAX? Yeah, okay, big time, okay? And that's why we're going to continue our study. That's right, the witness of creation, hopefully to help these folks out, okay? And what we're doing, again, is taking a look at all the different evidences, at least that I've come across, uh, that God's left behind for us, showing us that he's not just real. We really can have a beautiful, loving, intimate, personal relationship with him, through jesus christ okay and we've already seen that first evidence that he's left behind for us was the evidence of an intelligent creation or intelligent design the second evidence the evidence of a young creation or young earth we have not been here for millions and billions of years and we're seeing that again with dinosaurs aren't we they didn't die out millions of years ago that's a lie okay the third evidence was the evidence of a special creation we came from the special hand of god not an accidental blob, okay, for a special relationship with him. The fourth evidence was the evidence of a judge creation. Uh God judges planet once. We see that evidence. He said he's gonna do it again. What's the conclusion? Uh make sure you're ready. Okay. And then finally we saw the last six times if you were here, was the evidence of a fearful creation or the truth about dinosaurs. Okay? And last time, if you were here, we saw a shocker. The Bible had it right again. Okay. what a concept. Okay. And we saw that dinosaurs, yes, believe it or not, are still alive today, not just with Noah before the time of the flood, but as we saw last week in Job chapter 40, even with people like Job after the time of the flood. Okay. And we didn't just see that in the Bible, which is the primary source, by the way, no need to doubt what God has to say, but we saw that also with the proof of living fossils. Okay. And believe it or not, living dinosaurs. And what we saw is throughout man's history, there are so many dinosaurs, the accounts of them, that were still alive with people that they not only put them on their zodiacs, but remember the last one we left off with? They actually had detailed maps, detailed maps, dragon maps, which are dinosaurs in man's history, uh, detailing where they are. Okay, over here is Israel, but over here is these dinosaurs here, and watch out for these guys over here, right? Okay, and that's what we saw, and uh, uh, in our last study. Okay, but you might be thinking, well, wait a second. If you expect me to believe, Pastor Billy, that dinosaurs are still alive today, then I want to see some proof today, right? I want something a little bit more hardcore evidence. Then, yeah, I got to admit that zodiac thing is kind of interesting. Remember that? How many of you guys went out for Chinese food? And you looked at that there, okay, looked at the dragon. Why is 11 of them real and one of them supposed to be mythical? Maybe it's real. All right, Uh, I I need something more than that. I need something more than an an ancient, albeit, uh, map of the mentioning dragons or dinosaurs. I want something better than that. I want to see actual eyewitness accounts of dinosaurs alive still today. Do we have any of those? Yes, that's right, Ruth. Yes, we do. we got a bunch of them, and we're going to see that tonight, okay? But again, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Let's see once again why this should not be a complete surprise. Granted, not a large population of dinosaurs, but why there are still some alive today. Job 41 is now our text. Now, if you were here last week, we saw Job chapter 40. And if you find Job chapter 40, what do you do? You hang a short right there. Job chapter 41, okay? And as we turn there last time, we saw God making this amazing statement to Job last week. Behold, what? Behemoth. Behemoth, as we saw, has a tail that sways like a cedar tree, right? Which is clearly talking about a brachiosaur, something of that nature. Okay, a big giant dinosaur. Now, in the same context of behold, God tells Job, now check out another dinosaur. The first one was kind of like a land-dwelling dinosaur. Okay, Behemoth, this one's a water-dwelling one. Okay, and he's called Leviathan, all right? And again, the context in both chapters, he's teaching Job a lesson on a healthy fear of God, okay? Don't question what God's doing. He knows what he's doing, okay? Here's what he says. Now, Job, hey, can you pull in the Leviathan with a fish hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he keep begging you for mercy, Job? Will he speak to you with gentle words? Will he make an agreement with you for you to take him as your slave for life? Can you make a pet of him like a bird? Tweet, 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 tweet. You know, put him in a cage. Or or put him on a leash for your girls. Here, girls, got a new pet for you. Okay, right? Will will traders barter for him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his hide with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? If you lay a hand on him, you will remember the struggle and never do it again. Any hope of subduing this guy is false. A mere sight of him, it's overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse him. Uh, then listen to what he says. God, who then is able to stand against me, Job? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. How many guys would say that Job's a little in trouble here? Right? And then he goes on. I I will not fail to speak of his limbs, Leviathan's limbs, his strength and his graceful form. Who who can strip off his outer coat? And who would approach him with the bridle? And who dares open the doors of his mouth, ringed about with fearsome teeth? And his back has rows of shields tightly sealed together. Each one is so close to the next that no air can pass between. They're joined uh, fast to, to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. His snorting throws out flashes of light. His eyes are like the rays of dawn. Firebrands stream from his mouth. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours out from his nostrils as from a boiling pot over a fire of reeds. His breath sets coals ablaze. He never brushes teeth. No, Thomas, not halitosis. That's not what it is, right? It's not even spicy Mexican food. I love that stuff, by the way. Uh, No, he's talking about actual fire breathing, as we saw before in our study. That's not without the realm of possibility. Even that, mentioning here in the scripture. So he goes on. And he says, uh, his his breath sets coals ablaze, and and flames dart from his mouth. And strength resides in his neck, and dismay goes before him. The folds of his flesh are tightly joined; they're firm and immovable. His his chest is hard as a rock, uh, hard as a lower millstone. When he rises up, the mighty are terrified; they retreat before his thrashing. The the sword that reaches him has no effect, Uh, nor does the spear or the dart or the javelin. Iron he treats like straw, and bronze like rotten wood. Arrows do not make this guy flee. Uh, the sling stones are just like chaff to him. A club uh, seems to him but a piece of straw. He laughs at the rattling of the lance. His undersides are jagged pot shirts, leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sludge. He makes the depths churn like a boiling cauldron and stirs up the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him he leaves a glistening wake and, and one would think the deep head white hair. Nothing on earth is his equal. He is a creature without fear. And listen, he looks down on all who are haughty. He is king over all that are proud. Hmm. I wonder if that was Job's problem. He got a little too big for his britches. Kind of got out of balance there. He didn't like the way his life was turning out. Right? And so he thought he could, you know, kind of blame God. You know, shake a fist at him a little bit. Act like God didn't know what he's doing. Good thing we never do that. Let's just close in prayer. No, we got a lot to cover. Okay, no. But the point, again, in bringing this passage up this time is God is using another creature, okay, to teach Job a lesson of a healthy fear of God. Just like we saw last week, God used Behemoth. This week, he's using another creature, talking this time about Leviathan. And again, just like last week with Behemoth, so it is with the description here with Leviathan. They're both clearly speaking about a dinosaur, okay? And this guy, a water-dwelling dinosaur, we saw most likely he's probably something on the order of of a chronosaurus or a mosasaurus or something of that nature okay but here's the point if god said last week and this is the context god said last week to job teaching him this lesson of fear look at behemoth a dinosaur and now in essence he says look still in the context at leviathan a water-dwelling dinosaur okay then what's the logical conclusion then there had to be, right Tom, there had to be a behemoth, a leviathan, a land and or water dwelling dinosaur for Job to look at to get the lesson. God's not going to right make, make believe, run to the store and get a book on dinosaurs from evolution and somehow figure out what I'm talking about. There had to be some still around. Now, again, as we saw last week, even though this is absolutely clear in the scripture, it's here right in the Bible, right? The only reason why people either miss it or even question it is because of the lie of evolution has blinded us with the lie, as we've been seeing, that they say, oh, no, no, nobody's ever laid eyes on a dinosaur. They never coexisted with man. What are you, some sort of wacko? Would you eat chicken? And we all know that they died out millions of years ago, right? That's the only reason why we would dare question this. But once again, evolution is a liar, not God. Okay, and we're going to take a look that, yes, just like the Bible presupposes, we saw this last week, That there were not only dinosaurs created by God on day six with man, meaning they coexisted, which also meant that they were part of the air breathing, land uh, dwelling animals that were put on the kinds, were put on the ark, which also presupposes then some of them had to get off the ark, right? Which means we should find some evidence of them throughout history, the dragons, and which means, granted, we don't have a big population, but there probably should still be a few around to look at in order to learn this lesson that he's pointing out to Job, right? That's what we're going to see. And the first way we know that dinosaurs, granted, not a large population, are still alive, just like the Bible presupposes is this first category in this chapter, and that is the water-dwelling dinosaurs. Let's take a look at some of that evidence, some still alive today. During the age of sailing ships, this is just throughout history, which lasted up until about 100 years ago, that's just they use wind sails, right? Uh, There were thousands and thousands of reports of people citing so-called sea monsters, right? But we all know that that's because they had too much room. You know, those pirates, argh, right? And the, you can't trust the, And It's just mythology. It can't be... Or is there more to it than meets the You take a look at the description of these accounts, go back to the scripture, and you're seeing something that clearly fits the description of a water-dwelling dinosaur. Maybe there's a lot more true to it. Today, the sightings are not as numerous. I think it's common sense because the noisiness of our modern engines... Remember, it was just wind power before, just gliding along the water in the wooden... Uh, holes there. Now they got metal holes with engines in their boats, and this causes the boats to project noise for miles underwater. And so this gives the creatures a heads up uh, miles in advance long before uh, you know, we ever show up so they can hide away from us. So that's why a lot of people feel that these, uh, uh, they're still out there, but uh, they're getting a, a much bigger heads up, a warning to stay away from us, okay? But occasionally, you still hear about the sightings of water and Dwelling dinosaurs, okay, just like was mentioned uh, in Job. Let's take a look at a few of those, okay? One was a report uh, from uh, Germans during World War I. A German submarine commander said he sank a British ship, and when it exploded underwater, a 60 foot long sea monster came flying up out of the water. He said it had big paddle shaped flippers, kind of like a plesiosaurus, uh, and it had an alligator shaped head. Captain Greg von Forstner described what happened. Here's the writing He said on July 30th, 1915, Now, granted, 1915, this is before evolution was making big inroads in our country, right? Okay, They weren't brainwashed by the universities. Oh, no, this couldn't be a dinosaur. Don't you know? Haven't you been to the university? This is before that. A U-28 torpedoed the British steamer, Iberium, carrying a rich cargo in the North Atlantic. The steamer sank quickly, the bow sticking out vertically in the air. When it had gone down for about 25 seconds, he wrote, there was a violent explosion. A little bit later, pieces of wreckage. And among them, this is an artist's rendition. You see the little thing there? Uh, Among them, a gigantic sea animal writhing and struggling wildly was shot out of the water to a height of 60 to 100 feet. Okay. Just happened to be in the area. He said, we didn't have time for a photograph. Well, there you go. It can't be true. Remember what we saw last time? What are the odds of getting a photograph? Okay, oh, by the way, they don't have cell phones back then, 1915. We, We were spoiled today, right? What are the odds of getting a photograph as it's happening? It's such an amazing event and just, whoa, and then goes, oh, I should have got a picture, right? common sense. He says, uh, for the animal sank out of sight after 10 or 15 seconds. He said it was about 60 feet long, crocodile in shape, had four limbs with powerful webbed feet with a long tail tapering uh, to a point. Then in California, you could check this out. Go look at it yourself. Not Photoshop. This is actually the photograph in the newspapers. On the coast of California, 1925. Oh, when's the date? This is before evolution came in. It says, Don't you know better? Dinosaurs never existed, right? 1925, this is in Monterey Bay, California. Something washed up on the beach. They call it California's Nessie, as in the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland. California Nessie. Uh, that's the actual head of the creature as it lay on the beach. They took some more pictures. As you can see, the guy in the background, he's got a gun, which is a smart thing in case it moved again. The neck, they said, was 20 feet long. Some just tried to say that it was a rare form of beached whale. Somebody needs to get out of the sun, okay? <laughs> Stop eating chicken. What? <laughs> what? I mean, this common sense, folks. Excuse me. Whales don't have necks, let alone 20 feet long. That's ridiculous. And besides the guy who was examined it, listen, the president of the Natural History Society of British Columbia, okay, again, prior to being influenced by the live evolution, said, quote, my examination of the monster was quite thorough, It had no teeth, its head was uh, as large, and the neck is 20 feet long. And he said back then, as the guy at the Natural History Museum said, it was a type of what? Plesiosaurus. Interesting. Wow. How many guys like to find that washed up in your backyard? Ron, when you fix that leak in your front yard, aren't you glad that guy didn't come up? Yes. (laughs) Let's move on. Scotland. Uh Uh-oh, maybe there's more. Going on than this thing, okay? Many people are familiar with the Loch Ness Monster, obviously, right? But I'm sure it's just make believe, right? There's no explanation for that thing. Well, maybe you're talking about a dinosaur. It lives in this lake in northern Scotland. It's 24 miles long. It's about a mile to a mile and a half wide, nearly 1,000 feet deep in certain places. Hey, you could probably hide a lot of stuff in there, couldn't you? Yeah, interesting, okay? But the question is is this really just a mythological legend, or are we once again dealing with a plesiosaur type of a dinosaur? like this video shows let's take a look
3: in every part of the world ships have sent reports of having sighted various types of sea monsters some resemble huge eels others look very much like the various types of plesiosaurs ancient artwork shows that man has been familiar with them for a very long time Even rather recently, fishing vessels have detected clear silhouettes of strange large animals moving at great depths. An oceanographic research ship captured an eel larva that was six feet long. The adult eel would have been anywhere from 100 to 180 feet long. A good deal of attention has been paid to the deep lake of Loch Ness in the Highlands of Scotland. For centuries, people have reported seeing one or more large but timid animals swimming there. Though people have sometimes been able to take sonar readings and photographs of it, no one has provided clear evidence of just what it is. The description closely resembles the plesiosaurus, which is a water-dwelling type of dinosaur. Similar creatures have been reported in Canada, parts of the U.S., Scandinavia, Ireland, and Russia. Even the Bible mentions a great sea animal which Job had seen. Leviathan, the largest and fiercest creature in the sea. The description of its strong jaws Terrible teeth and fast swimming ability remind us of the huge Kronosaurus.
0: Wow. So
3: maybe there's something
0: more to that story after all. I wonder what it could be. Could it be a leftover dinosaur from after the flood when it got off in the ark? Okay. And in fact, the sightings of the Loch Ness Monster, uh, some, they've actually got some photographs. I'm going to share one with you. And they actually have taken some pictures of some flippers. Okay, there. And they do actually appear like a plesiosaur, okay, with some diamond-shaped flippers. Okay, you can kind of highlight it there. looks like kind of a plesiosaur. That's some of the actual footage there. Uh, This was taken by the Academy of Applied Science. And again, that's the tip of the iceberg. Uh, The sightings continue on up today uh, as this next footage shows. Let's take a look at this.
2: Now, an amateur scientist believes he could have captured the Loch Ness Monster on videotape. Yorkshireman Gordon Holmes was carrying out experiments at the famous loch when by chance he happened to spot a strange creature in the waters. Now film of the incident is causing a sensation. Well Kirsten the legend of the Loch Ness monster dates right back to 565 AD when Saint Columba was said to have seen a strange monster in the waters behind me here. Now Since then, tales of Nessie have surfaced regularly, and she's become something of an icon right around the globe. So, whenever there are tales of new sightings, it sparks something of a frenzy. And it's certain that these new pictures will already be causing a stir. And as you can see for yourselves, there's definitely something in the water. Could this be the Loch Ness Monster? This footage was taken at the weekend by an amateur scientist who happened to spot a fast-moving creature swimming across the world-famous loch. Gordon Holmes from Yorkshire had been undertaking some amateur scientific tests on the loch, recording sounds from the deep with special hydrophonic equipment. But nothing prepared him for the prospect of actually setting eyes on what could be the elusive Nessie, an event he luckily captured on film. Even from a scientific viewpoint, he believes the Loch Ness legend stands up to scrutiny.
3: Of all the things that are sort of uh, unknown, I think the Loch Ness monster is the one that's got the most credibility due to reliable witnesses in the past and also due to these sonar contacts. I mean, you just can't throw those kind of ideas away and, and ignore them. I think you've got to, you need science to look deeper into it.
0: Oh, so we all can trust science to you know, deal with this honestly, with an open mind, and uh, come out with the facts, right? Well, that's why this guy's teeth flew out right of his head. He was laughing about that, too. Okay, excuse me, because evolution obviously scoffs at even thinking about this, right? Uh, let alone that this is some sort of a water uh, dinosaur. And I think it's obvious because, once again, as we saw before, if this cat gets out of the bag, so to speak, it completely undermines their theory. Right? The emperor has no clothes when you deal with this. You take away all the lies, including the lies about dinosaurs. They have nothing to stand on. Okay? But how about America? Now, as you saw in that video, you saw plesiosaurus sightings, water dwelling all over the world, didn't you? This isn't just in one place. It's not just in Scotland. It's all over the world like you would expect if the Bible is true. And believe it or not, they even got some here in America and even some recent ones. Okay? Here's one. Uh, just uh, northwest of us in Lake Champlain, not too far from where I used to pastor in Buffalo.
4: Watch this. It was a quiet night, just as still as glass, like the first night had been. And I was full of anticipation and excitement, but uh, also not necessarily expecting anything. And for about 10 minutes, we saw nothing. And then Sandy says,
1: Walt, I think I see one. Get the camera, honey, get the camera. I was manning
4: the camera all the time. And uh, when you look through the viewfinder, you can't see much. So we had quite a time there where my daughter and my wife were saying, there, there, look, look. And I'd say, where? I can't see anything. And at one particular moment, they spotted one not far from the boat, at the most 50 or 60 feet from the boat. And then began the footage for about 20 or 30 seconds of seeing these humps glide along First, two, then three, then four, and then suddenly five, all in a row, stretching out about 20 feet.
1: I had probably, um, I would say seven different sightings of them. It's bigger. It's even bigger. There are more hops. So I decided to climb up and stand on the sundae, and I just scanned water, and lo and behold... I saw one of those Brahma bull humps coming along the water, and then all of a sudden, the neck and the head came up, and it looked right at me. I will never forget it. And I was screaming with excitement, which I wish I wasn't doing because it went down more rapidly, came back, and then very gracefully, very slowly, went back down into the water just like that.
4: There was no time for me to get the camera and refocus. I'd give anything now to have that on footage because uh, what Sandy saw was, of course, an astounding thing. This creature looking at us and lifting its head out of the water.
0: Gee, I wonder what that could be, Joey. I don't think it's a chicken. What about you? Okay, but you might be thinking like Joey, because he's a discerning intern, right? Give it up for Joey. Thank you kindly. What a guy, All right? You might say, well, excuse me, if you expect me to believe that that's an actual plesiosaur in Lake Champlain, amongst other places around the world, then uh, we need not just computer animation to help you imagine what they saw. How about an actual picture? Well, thanks for asking, Joey, because we got one. This is an actual picture taken in Lake Champlain, uh, a lady named Sandy Mancy, okay, actually snapped this off. Okay, uh, before her husband grabbed her because she was freaking out as we're going to see in this next one but this is an actual photograph what does that look like folks Right? and how do you explain that that's not a fish, it's not an alligator Okay, it's not a crocodile it's clearly a dinosaur but again people only reject that because of the brainwashing of evolution it agrees with the biblical account but let's take a look
1: we stopped at this one place and the children were down further on the beach having a great time and Tony decided to go back to the car and get the camera. I'm I'm looking out at the lake and the lake started churning. My first thought was scuba divers but then it's too much. It would be too big of a group of scuba divers but then fish. There's some very large sturgeon and big walleyes in champlain so i thought well it's a very very large school of fish then the head and the neck came up out of the water and then the back and i watched it turn its head and neck and look around and when it first came up its mouth was open and i could see water coming out of the mouth and i'm feeling like i shouldn't be there because to me this thing should have been extinct 30 million years ago and even then, I'm not frightened. I'm in total awe and very calm. And then Tony came back, and he saw it.
5: Heidi, get out of the water.
1: Get out of the water right now. Come on, get out And he got all panicky, screaming and hollering. Get up here. I don't know. Come on, get up And he get up. screamed at me to get back there. So he helped me up the bank. And, and when he did, he handed me the camera, and, and I turned around, and it's still there. And I picked up the camera and shook one shot.
5: When Sandra saw the picture she had taken, she was certain that it was Champ. She was equally certain that no one would believe
4: her. We digitized it and run all sorts of computer enhancement techniques. We were looking for pulleys or ropes or anything like that, superimpositions. But we found no evidence of hoaxing, and we concluded that that object, whatever it is, was there in the lake at that estimated distance. It wasn't any sort of superimposition.
5: Perhaps Champ was a prehistoric animal that had somehow managed to survive.
4: The object in the Mancy photograph resembled a plesiosaur, which is... An aquatic reptile from the Cretaceous about 60-70 million years ago. Long neck and flippers. It resembles that, but that's a long time to have survived.
5: Who can explain the Mansi photograph or the hundreds of eyewitness accounts recorded through the centuries?
0: Ooh. Ooh, I I can do it. Uh, the spirit of Arnold Horshack is all over me once again. For those of you hooked on, welcome back, Connor. Uh, 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 the reason why we have actual sightings of water-dwelling dinosaurs even today is because evolution is a lie. And it agrees with the biblical account. Not a bunch of them, but just like God said to Job, behold behemoth, behold a water-dwelling leviathan. Post the flood, after they got off the ark, the different kinds... There's still a few around today. That's the only explanation. And it's not just an explanation. It agrees perfectly. No quandaries whatsoever with the biblical account. Rather, it's evolution that has the problem. I thought you said that died out 65, 70 million years ago. And again, they're staring right at it. Staring right at it. And it's not make-believe. It's the actual photograph. It's there. And you still can't put two and two together. Maybe it's because you don't want to believe. And that's what 2 Peter says, as we see many times. But that's not the second way we know dinosaurs, still alive today, granted not a bunch of them, okay? But uh, a few, just like the Bible presupposes, is from land-dwelling dinosaurs, okay? Uh, This is pretty awesome. Again, we just saw the water-dwelling from chapter 41. Let's go back to the land-dwelling in chapter 40 on Job with a behemoth. Okay, and first of all, again, we find these critters all throughout history, again, all over the uh, world, not just water, but land-dwelling ones uh, throughout history. Okay, let's take a look at some of those reports.
3: When Marco Polo, the famous explorer, visited the island of Madagascar about 1290 AD, the inhabitants were very sure that some enormous bird lived on the island, but... Until recently, scientists were sure that it was a myth. In 1967, they discovered it was true after all. They found the bones and eggs of gigantic birds over 10 feet tall. In New Zealand, the remains of even bigger birds were found. They were killed off for meat by the Maoris. In the same way, man may have been responsible for killing off the last of the remaining dinosaurs for meat, and because they were a menace. The world is by no means thoroughly explored. It is true that we know almost all of its geography, but because a country is on the map does not mean that we know all about its inhabitants. Scientists are still discovering new animals every year, Explorers are still venturing into remote areas of the world in hopes of finding a number of puzzling, rarely seen beasts. Aborigines in Australia have reported an animal similar to the dinosaur Struthiomimus, And in northern Rhodesia, there has been reported an animal similar to a Ceratosaurus that attacks elephants and rhinos. And reports of large, unknown animals still come from peoples living near large rainforests.
0: But I'm sure they're crazy. But here pretty soon, what we're going to do is, you and I, the American taxpayer, we're going to pay for a a university to go over there and start educating these people as to why they can't be true, and those certainly aren't dinosaurs. We probably would if we had enough time. Uh, unfortunately. But that's not all. Speaking of rainforest, one of the most amazing accounts of modern-day sightings, that's just kind of a little bit through history. Modern-day sightings is this critter. You can check it out yourself. It's called Mokole and Mimbe. Let's say that. Yeah, okay. That's good. Not Actually, not too bad. Uh, it's located in the biggest swamp in the world today, in the middle of Africa there, as you can see. Uh, it's called the Lukawala Swamp. It's 55,000 square miles, and it's almost as big as the whole state of Georgia. It's a swamp. Okay, Uh, explorers began to go there back in 1880 and when they did they came back with reports saying this quote There are dinosaurs still alive there. This is a 1910 article that appeared in the New York Herald Oh, what's the time frame there before the live evolution started brainwashing people and here's what they reported quote is a Brontosaurus roaming Africa's wilds?" Right before all that skepticism came in. Then in 1948, still before evolution was making major inroads, uh, this article appeared in the Saturday Evening Post, said a well-known South African big game hunter, uh, Mr. Gobbler, returned from a trip and announced, quote, that there was a large animal of such dimensions that it could only fit the description of a dinosaur and its dwelling in the swamps there, has the head and tail of a lizard. You know, dinosaur, terrible lizard. Uh, and that was, again, there. 1980, this guy, Dr. Roy Mackle, University of Chicago, he decides to go check it out. He spent six weeks down there. He says, the absolute worst miserable swamp in the world. Uh, you do not want to take a vacation there. He said, it's right on the equator, 95 degrees all the time, 95% humidity. He said, the mosquitoes landed on them at a rate of 1,000 per hour. Okay, how do you measure that? I don't know, but it's probably pretty horrible. Okay, miserable place to go he says okay so it's not just ideal so he says it's not a simple matter of hey let's drive to africa and go take a picture of the dinosaur and go back home he says it doesn't work that way okay so in the first place it's almost again as big as georgia and you can only travel through all that muck about one mile an hour okay he said therefore it takes you all day just to go eight or ten miles to give you an analogy if i were to tell you there were a hundred elephants hiding in georgia uh and you could only go one mile an hour and i want you to find them and prove them you better pack a lunch Okay, you're going to be there for a while. Okay, and it's the same situation with this swamp. It's not as easy. Well, let's go over there and take pictures of it. It's not that simple. So to help things out, though, okay, to get some evidence, Dr. Mackle showed the natives some different pictures of animals. I love this. Listen, he, ha- he had with him in a book. He brought a book of different animals, okay, to test the natives, okay, and, and, and uh, some of the animals that he knew that were in the swamp and some that were not in the swamp. He was going to test them to see if they were telling the truth about this Mokole and bimbe, okay? So he's thumbing through the pages there, and they would say, Oh yeah, 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 that's that's a hippopotamus. We got that one here in the swamp. Uh, then they'd turn a the page and he'd show them a crocodile, He says, Yeah, 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 we got crocodiles, I don't understand that. And then he'd test them and he'd show them a grizzly bear, right? Which is obviously not in that swamp, and they would say, No, we've never seen that animal. Then he actually turned a page and showed them a picture of an Apatosaurus dinosaur. And immediately they say, Oh yeah, 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 that's Mokole and Bimbe. Okay. And again, it's too bad they haven't been to the university to get corrected. Okay, and and then Dr. Mackle says, "You mean to tell me you got it an in living in the swamp?" And the native says, "Yes, he's, we call it Mokole and Bembe. He lives in the swamp." And uh, and then uh, uh, they said, uh, "What else do you want to know?" All right? They they acted like it was no big deal. It's like, yeah, so so he's in the swamp. What's a big deal? Don't you know better? What what do you got where you live? Right? And and he said they said that the Mokole and Bembe is about. This is a, a rendition. What's that look like? Hello. Okay, about 25 uh, to 30 feet long, has the body about the size of a hippopotamus. Okay, and again, they're not getting as big as they used to. Remember the post-flood issues. Okay, but his neck and tail are real long, which of course fits the pattern of apatosaurus. Then they claim that Mokole at Bembe lived in the water and was hardly ever seen, because, you know, there's not a much, many of them. Okay, and that even the natives that lived there their entire life have only seen him once or twice. So it's not like you see him every day, but he's still out there. Right, And what's really interesting is they said, listen to their description of this critter, that he lived under the water and under the shade of the trees. Now read your Bible. What's interesting, that fits the description of Behemoth in the book of Job. Quote, he lieth under the shady trees in the covert of the reeds and the fence, the swamp. Okay, that's exactly what Job said. God was saying about Behemoth, that's what they described with this creature, They're in this swamp. Later, uh, Dr. Mackle found some footprints of the creature uh, near the shore. He said they're about the size of an elephant or hippo, except they had claws on them. Aren't you guys glad that elephants and hippos don't have claws, (gasps) right? Okay, so that was a a major difference. And then the natives claimed that these animals will sometimes surprise you in your canoe, and if you get too close uh, to it and startle it, it'll actually try to drown you by smashing your canoe with its tail, okay? Uh, But they said he won't eat you if that's any consolation. Right, just, I guess so. But speaking of eating, this was kind of funny. Uh, he asked the natives, he said, hey, did you ever kill one and eat it? And they said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, our grandfathers killed one, and they ate it, and they all died. Okay. So obviously it tasted like chicken. Uh, you, you knew that was coming. All right. uh, but in Kenya, okay, this is all over the world, land, just like the water dwelling, so is the land ones. This is in Kenya. Uh, a missionary named Cal Bombay, I believe out of Canada, uh, and his wife uh, said, and this is a rendition, Uh, They saw this critter with plates on the back, uh, and the one they actually saw was bigger than the ones pictured here, and they said they watched it for about 15 minutes. Christians, by the way, is what they saw there in Kenya. Uh, Australia, again, just like you'd expect uh, with the water-dwelling ones, the land-dwelling ones, they're all over the world, including down in Australia. Let's take a look at this.
6: We find lots of other accounts here in Australia, too, of uh, Aboriginal people apparently living alongside ferocious creatures. This particular one is from North Queensland, this particular painting and it uh, speaks of a a time when the local people used to be greatly distressed because there was a ferocious creature living in a lake, used to lash its tail and overturn the canoe and uh, the people used to, fishermen used to be knocked into the water and you can see that uh, this crowd here is quite cross, they seem to be quite eager to capture this creature to get their comrade back. I don't know quite how they know the internal and anatomical detail, though I do know that Aboriginal people tend to be very practically minded and uh, have an intimate knowledge of anatomy. But just if you look at the external silhouette of that particular creature there, does it not look very similar to the plesiosaur reconstructions that scientists make from fossils? Amazing, isn't it? Well, what about down south here, down under? Did any any of the dinosaurs make their way to Australia? Well, we've got fascinating stories from uh, southern Victoria of a creature that lived in the swamps there. Basically, as uh, the European settlers encountered dead animals, they would go to the local Aboriginal tribes people and say, what do you call this in your language? And they found one particular specimen there, obviously been dead a while, but the bones apparently were still hanging together, and they went to the local tribes people and said, what do you call this? And so the story goes, they said, oh, that's a bunyip. Bunyip? What's a bunyip? Anyway, they described the creature, and it caused such a sensation that the local newspaper sent their staff artist out to sketch the picture, and they published it in the Geelong Advertiser in July 1845. Now, 13 years later, on the other side of the world, A specimen was dug up from the the rocks, and they called it duck-billed dinosaur, Edmontosaurus, and they reconstructed the creature to look like that. Now, to my way of thinking, that looks very similar to the duck-billed dinosaur that the Aboriginal people of Southern Australia had described. It looks to me like there were Australians living alongside the dinosaurs. It's interesting, I meet some people who say, now wait a minute, that bunyip-like creature, that was probably just a crocodile. But when you look at the skeletal structure and reconstruct how the creature would have moved, duck-billed dinosaur, along with all the other dinosaurs, have what's what we could call column-like legs. Okay? Their legs were straight below them to support them. Whereas a crocodile has legs that stick out to the side. And so it does appear that the dinosaurs, as we know them from fossil reconstructions, all walked upright.
1: Hmm.
0: So how do you explain that one? Interesting. So according to me, and I'm, uh, hopefully Joey, right, Joey? Okay. It uh, looks like uh, God has uh, got it right every single time. Is, it, is that a surprise? And that it's really not something obtuse, it's not something crazy, that when God tells uh, Job, hey, look at Leviathan. Recent times, a water-dwelling dinosaur. And if you're scared of that guy, why aren't you scared of me? Oh, oh, Job, hey, look at this uh, behemoth. Look at this land-dwelling dinosaur. Big, huge thing. It's got a tail swaying like a cedar tree. Right? You know that, right? They're here. How come if you're afraid of that, you're not afraid of me? Perfectly fits the context. And again, once again, it doesn't just agree with the biblical account. I'll stress this again. Um, how does evolution explain that? You know what they do? Once again, they bring in this word. Well, that's an anomaly. You know what that means? That means we have no stinking idea. Oops, it's ruining our theory. And then resort to character assassination. Call those people who try to bring this up. Wackos. And you haven't been to the university like the rest of us. Right? And that's what they do. That's all that they do. And in fact, I mean, the next thing you know, Joey, at this rate, you know, God's got a perfect track record. I mean, he's probably just going to say, hey, behold, uh, a pterodactyl. And we'll even find that too. Well, funny you should ask, because that's what we're going to finish up with. The third way that we know that dinosaurs are still alive today, not, granted, not a bunch of them, but believe it or not, there are also accounts of flying air-dwelling dinosaurs all over the world, okay? Uh, starting with, uh, how many you guys heard of the Thunderbird? Sioux Indians? Henry Ford named the car after him? Maybe he should have used a pterodactyl for the emblem. Let's take a look at that.
3: The folklore of the Sioux Indian tribe tells of a party of Sioux warriors who were out hunting during a thunderstorm. They saw a huge flying bird-like creature get hit by lightning and fall to the ground. After several days of searching, they found what was left of the creature. It had large claws on its feet and its wings, and its beak was long and sharp. There was a long, bony crest on its head, and it had a wingspan of over 20 feet. The description perfectly matches the extinct Pteranodon. The Indians had never seen a bird like it before. They called it the Thunderbird. Interesting.
0: So that's what Henry Ford used, but maybe he should use a pterodactyl. But little bit there, little batty wings, right? Wouldn't that be interesting? Okay. But again, these are all over the world, okay, just like all the other ones as well. Here's in Africa, one of the creatures they call it there in Africa. uh, Different places call it different things, obviously, that's common sense. Africa, they call it Congamato, okay, which means the, quote, overwhelmer of boats, okay. An African explorer named Frank Mellon kept hearing about the reports of these creatures, so he's a guy. What do you do? You go check it out. And he said it was said to live near the swamps near Rhodesia. And the natives told him it was a bird, not exactly like a bird, but it was more like a lizard with wings of skin like a bat. Okay? And uh, when they showed him pictures of all kinds of animals, again, testing them like Dr. Mackle did with the others. Okay? Uh, he tested them even with the pictures of a pterodactyl. The, immediately, they pointed out uh, to the pterodactyl and excitedly said, Kongomoto, Okay, Again, they hadn't been to the university to know better, unfortunately. Okay, And then based on the research, he said the evidence for the pterodactyl is that the natives can describe it so accurately, unprompted, and they all agree about it. They do not consider it an unnatural thing, like a demon, like some sort of superstitious thing, but only a very awful thing, like a, listen, man-eating lion or a rogue elephant, but infinitely worse. And you go, well, why? Well, listen to what the reports of these critters do. This is in New Guinea. Okay, apparently the reason why in Africa the congamato is infinitely worse than a man-eating lion or a rogue elephant is because it not only overwhelms boats, but like another uh, flying dinosaur, uh, in New Guinea they call it the ropin. Africa's is kongamato, in New Guinea it's ropin. It actually eats dead bodies. That's why it's worse than a rogue lion. As this interview shows, this native, he, again, you have to pray for him. He hasn't been to the university. But here's what he says he encountered watch this
4: okay and you live in Opi village Opi village yes okay. uh do you ever see <coughs> the Ropan <coughs> flying at night?
6: Yes. Before one parade. Now he came, he saw one come to the grave. It's grave. You saw one come to the grave then? For a long time.
4: Where was Great this grave?
1: It was a common grave. Okay,
4: one grave. And uh, what year was this that he saw this?
6: Uh,
2: <laughs>
4: <what> year? <laughs> oh, last year? Ah, last year.
6: Oh 1949. oh, 1949.
4: 1949? Yeah.
6: 1949. That
4: 1949.
6: That was, that's when I was born, a long yeah. time yes. ago. Yeah. Uh, was it nighttime? Boom. Boom. Yeah, born. Born night. Night <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> was it right after the body was buried or a day or two later after the body was buried that this happened? Or? People also put in body long box no? Yes. Long karuka. All leaves. Yes. Yep. And leaves. Yes, leaves. Karim, kam, dikim all karim. Na karim mountain, oh. And leaves. karim.
4: and so Robin come to the one in the grave yeah. and get the body and went uh-huh. back right up to the mountain. Oh, okay. And many of
6: to threw him through yeah. right below me. Yeah. He yeah. saw it through. Oh, he saw it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Whoa.
0: Well, you've always wondered why we bury people six feet under. Now you know why. Isn't that wild? Okay. Kind of freaky, whatever, but this is what the reports are saying. All the world. And uh, But again, these aren't the only ones. There's a lot of reports on these guys. Shortly after World War II, Western missionaries began to penetrate the jungles there. Okay, after the war in Papua New Guinea, and stories of flying ropans, or sometimes they were called demon flyers, began to be reported, even by the American missionaries, by the way. Uh, and just like the Kongamato in Kenya, the ropan is said to have a taste for human decaying flesh. Uh, and it was even reported to harass uh, funerals uh, gatherings with the Western missionaries present. So they, they saw it happen too. The report seemed to fit the extinct Ramphorhynchus uh, pterosaur, with a wingspan about three to four feet. Sometimes they get even bigger. This guy, Dwayne Hodgkinson, he was stationed in New Guinea in 1944. He said that he saw one with an estimated wingspan about 20 feet, okay? Uh, He said he clearly recalls the dark gray coloration, the long serpentine neck, the beak, and the distinctive head crest, okay? In Venezuela, another missionary, Adam Hutchinson, he said this in 1998. He said the natives in our area keep talking about this animal that they are scared to death of. It's a big flying animal. They said it's able to capsize their canoes and even carry the Indians off. Uh, they're terrified of this great, quote, bat that even today the Indians will not fish or drink from the river for fear of this creature. Now, anybody knows a pattern here? It's not just that they look the same in Africa or Papua New Guinea and now we're in South America, but they all are saying the same thing. They could tip your canoe, attack you, and eat dead flesh. How do they know that when they haven't even communicated Isn't that interesting? Okay. And that's what he says they're afraid of this. In New York, what? Yeah, in America. But see, they write these people off as wackos. Okay. Uh, Not just in swamps and jungles. Uh, Believe it or not, in 1961, in New York State, a businessman was flying his private plane over the Hudson uh, River Valley, and he claimed to have been buzzed by a large flying creature that he said looked like a pterodactyl out of the prehistoric ages. But then Texas had a lot of sightings, okay? In San Antonio, Texas, in 1976, three elementary school teachers said they saw a creature that looked like a pterodactyl swooping low over their cars as they drove, and they said the wingspan was about 15 to 20 feet, and one of the teachers said that it was gliding through the air on huge bony wings like a bat, okay? And apparently, uh, that's just one of the many pterodactyl sightings uh, in the 1970s uh, in Texas, like this video shows. Let's take a look.
5: Did man live at the time of the dinosaurs or is it possible that dinosaurs still exist today? In recent times there have been many reports of living pterodactyls. In the early 1970s there was a pterodactyl uh, flap, if you will, that took place uh, around Brownsville, Texas. I was approached by an aeronautics engineer who stated to me that he had seen a living pterodactyl He was within 50 feet of a creature, and he described him vividly. Uh, The creature was on the ground when he first saw him, became airborne, and then flew out of the sight. And he was, again, within 50 feet of this aeronautics engineer. He described him as having a beak, a crest, uh, leathery wings, hands on his wings, a tail, grayish-brown in color, Now the paleontologist in the audience will realize that this is a description of a Ramphorhynchid pterodactyl. And according to standard evolutionary interpretation, these creatures saw their demise 225 million years ago. We had here multiple sightings. Including school
0: teachers and uh, policemen, of what they described as flying, giant flying lizards, pterodactyls, flying in the daytime, even, which is unusual for pterodactyls because they tend to be apparently a nocturnal type of animal.
5: And these pterodactyls flying along the Rio Grande. Their favorite food is decaying human flesh. And literally, some of their funerals have been interrupted by these creatures trying to steal the corpse out of the casket. Now, these are very vivid descriptions. Some of the most interesting and credible reports come out of Namibia, a remote country in southwest
0: Africa that's mostly desert. In Namibia, people whom I trust
5: have reported to me that there is an area where a breeding population of pterodactyls still exists today. There is no way that you can account for creatures such as this being alive today, and have 225 million years of time involved. Uh, creatures like Makilium bimbi of the Congo that are matched specifically by the description of a quadrupedal dinosaur such as Brachiosaurus with a large body, long tail, long neck, and small head, uh, having been described by the nationals in the Congo. Within recent years, finding creatures like this or the possibility of having creatures alive like this today means that the time has to be compressed drastically. And we're not talking about those millions of years of evolutionary time.
0: Can I translate that for you? Evolution has no explanation for that. And the proof that we're seeing not only disproves evolution, completely, once again, shocker, but the only way to explain it is the compressed time that you have in the biblical account. We still see a few around today because they were created roughly 6,000 years ago with man, and some of them still survived the flood only a few thousand uh, years ago. And again, keep in mind, folks, this isn't all of them. Obviously, we've got to get moving on, okay? And, uh, but I wanted to give you some highlights, and uh, I wanted to back it up with as much video and picture evidence because it's a pretty wild accusation. But again, why is it only wild? Because of live evolution. Uh, but uh, I think it's pretty obvious, okay? But you might be thinking, you know, maybe like Joey, right, Joey? Okay, you're thinking, okay, well, come on, Pastor Bill, this is pretty amazing. I, I, I see that, you know, evolution's version of the dinosaurs is completely bankrupt. I get that. And, and it's not that I doubt the Bible or, or what you're saying or the evidence or anything. It's just such, this is such a total mind blower. I mean, do we have any absolute concrete conclusive evidence showing us that man really did indeed walk, exist with dinosaurs Even in recent times. Well, Joey, believe it or not, I have actually been saving the best for last. But we'll get to that next week. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get-A-Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, There's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, Here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in His work on the cross, to pardon us, from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, Our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.
5: Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada,